as we have been saying, that the Christmas story is not just a commemoration of an event that happened 2,000 years ago. It is a description of our lives and how God is still calling us to be the venues by which he comes into this world. It always tickles me that, and I love Christmas. I love lights. I love decorations. I love the pristine renditions, the hallmark version of Christmas. I love that. I love the fact that we have now kind of summarized and organized Christmas into something that is beautiful. And the Christmas first responders are called into this little perfect manger that doesn't smell and life is wonderful. The problem with that, as you well know, is that the original story, not perfect, not perfect people. Uh, and the story as it goes on, not perfect, not perfect people. The story comes in the midst of awkwardness and embarrassment and misunderstanding. And to that end, I, I want to go the second iteration. You know, the, the, the first iteration we talked about was how far are you willing to go? Those people that gave that very difficult gift to the Lord of a long, persistent journey so that they could be near to God and so that they could protect each other on the way. That's a part of the story, but, but here comes the other part. How close are you willing to get to people who it's gonna be some work to understand what's going on in their lives, but you need to in order to see God. To wit, we come to the story of Mary and Joseph. Very embarrassing. This young teenage unmarried girl gets pregnant. And it goes like this. Now in the birth of Jesus, now the birth of Jesus was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, let me remind you what betrothed means. It's an engagement only more formal. It's a legal arrangement. So to get out of a betrothment, you have to literally get divorced. But they can't be together physically yet. It says, betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away, i.e. divorce her, secretly. Now, isn't Joseph a wonderful guy? I mean, just doesn't want to cause a lot of trouble, doesn't want to embarrass her just doesn't want to deal with it. Have you ever had that, that feeling in your life? That's too bad, but I, I can't take that on. I can't eat. But here's the story. What was apparent was not true. You know, there's so many things in our lives that we just think, well, duh. I mean, this is just common sense. If Mary's pregnant, and I know I haven't been with her, then she's been with another man. So that's just common sense. That's just what anybody would assume. Only it wasn't true. 
I, I, I was visiting earlier this week, my friend John Morgan, and I walked into his office and he was talking to the managing partner of his Orlando law firm. And he said, I was just about to tell this guy a story about you. And he said, I've never told you this because I didn't want you to think less of me, but I feel like I need to tell you this story about you. And I said, okay. And if you know John, John's a character and he's a great storyteller. I can't tell this story like he told it. It was absolutely hilarious how he told us. So I looked at this guy and he said, two years ago, I'm at Daytona Beach Shores restaurant out on the beach somewhere. He knew the name of it, I didn't. And uh, he said, I'm, me I'm meeting with my property manager. We got entertainment property in Washington, DC and I'm meeting with her and, and I look over and I said, oh my God, that's Pastor Joel Hunter with a blonde woman. Oh my goodness. And he said, the woman looked over and said, well, how do you know that's not his wife? He said, are you kidding me? Look at them. They couldn't possibly be married. They're flirting. They're touching each other. It's just the, the married people don't do that. Oh no. And he said, in my head, I'm going, oh, scandal. Oh, it's all falling apart. Oh no, this is so big. And he said, at the same time in my head, my wife is, my wife's voice is there in, in, in there. And she's saying, you can't gossip. And I'm saying, but I love to gossip. I can't keep quiet about this. Oh no. He said, then you got up. And I just couldn't resist. I said, Joel, you came right over to the table and you said, John, how are you doing? I haven't seen you in a while. So good to see you. Let me introduce you to my wife. And I knew you were lying. Because <laughs> husbands and wives don't carry on like that. But then you said, no, we came over for you know, a Mother's Day getaway, decided to stay a couple extra days and this is my wife, Becky. You know, he was both guilty and relieved at the same time because anybody would have made that assumption, right? Have you ever done that in your life? Just been a natural assumption anybody would make and it turned out to be totally wrong. Why? Joseph did this. Why? Because he hadn't talked to Mary and he hadn't considered God's involvement. We operate under the same shortcomings. We don't talk to the other person enough to know the rest of the story. And we don't consider that maybe God's involved in this. We just think there's some sort of natural explanation that we can come up with without God. When so much of the time, that's simply not the case. Let me go a little bit further into the story. It says this, but when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus and he will save his people from their sins. See, here's a whole new aspect of life. When you look at your life, how much of your life do you think God is directly involved in? How many times when you're hearing a story from somebody else, 
about their lives. Do you just think, well, God, where are you in this? How directly are you evolved in this? Most of the time, that's not our first consideration. Most of the time, <laughs> as a matter of fact, all of the time, in the circumstances that surround us that would seem contrary to the will of God, God is right in the middle of it. That's why it's important to listen to one another until we spot God. That's why we have all those clothespins on that bridge out there. Because we want to have conversations with people we've made assumptions about. We haven't known well enough to know them accurately because we haven't listened long enough to hear their full story, their understanding of their story. See, by this time, Mary knew what was going on. She'd already had this conversation with the angel Gabriel. Joseph just didn't know about it. But Mary knew about it, and if he'd have talked to Mary, you know, he would have, he would have not made this assumption. He would have not made the plans to just go, I can't deal with this. You know, I, I'm sorry for Mary, and I don't want anybody to be hurt, but I can't deal with this. When God was saying, no, this is exactly what I want you to deal with. Because this is how I'm coming into your life. This is how I'm coming into the world. And no, you will never have a normal life. How many of you, don't raise your hand, say, man, I just wish I had a normal life. You know, if I just could have a normal life. Could I say something to you? There's no such thing as a normal life. What you think is a normal life, nobody has. Everybody has disruptive lives. Everybody's lives are messy. Everybody's lives are embarrassing. Everybody's misunderstood. You got to listen long enough to see where God is in all of this. You know, we were in D.C. going back to the airport uh, two days ago. And uh, we got in this cab and, and, uh, and I'm always looking to have the clothespin conversation, you know. Even if it's just an instant, you know, I want to hear about somebody's life long enough that I can kind of see God. We can, we can say, well, is, is, you know, can we get to God? It's, it's, I call them get to God conversations. You know, I, I want to have a conversation just with this, you know, maybe we can get to God. So we call in, crawl in this cab and, uh, and start a conversation up with the cab driver. This is not unusual for me. And Becky says, tell us about your family. Well, he said, now this guy was from Ethiopia. I always ask where they're from because they're, you know, hardly ever from D.C. They're usually from someplace. Up, you know. Ethiopia came 18 years ago, became a citizen 14 years ago. So she, he said, do, do you have a family? Do you have a wife and children? And he said, I do. He said, my, my uh, firstborn is a uh, pediatric pulmonary surgeon in a world-renowned practice. My secondborn um, is a um, PhD neuroscientist um, in a, um, I can't remember the medical facility, but I had heard of it. And my third just is now finishing his MBA uh, from the University of Rochester. And I happen to know something about business and the University of Rochester is one of the most prestigious uh, business schools in the country. And Becky said, how in the world? This is our cab driver we're talking to. 
How in the world did your children reach that level of achievement? And he just looked and said, God. He said, everything in our lives, my wife and I do by the power of God. God. See, I didn't have to get to God. He was there before I got there. If you listen to people long enough, you will not only hear their story, you'll hear God's story. And sometimes you'll need to identify it. You'll have to say, you know, do you think God may be involved in there somewhere? You'll have to ask the question, but a lot of times they'll get there before you do. If he had, that conver- had, if he had, had that conversation with Mary, she would have gotten there before he did. And so this is the simple directive of the second leg of the Christmas story. We need to listen to each other and decide where they're at, hear where they're at, so that we can see the rest of God's story. See, a lot of times we kind of know what God's doing with us. But if, if our part is the only part that we're concentrating on, we quickly become overwhelmed. You know, there, I know so many people who are so preoccupied, so burdened with the problems in their life right now. Do you know why? Because they permitted themselves to become the center of the universe. They've said, I've got nothing larger to think about than what is happening to me. One of the great favors God does for us is tells us to pay attention to other people. Not just so that we can help them, but so that we can get out from under the illusion that the whole world turns on our performance. The whole world turns on what's happening to us. You know, years ago, 25 years ago now, I remembered this the other day, uh, a a man by the name of a PhD uh, at the University of California in San Francisco, uh, Larry Sherwitz was his name, did a study. And the study was how language affects health. How language affects health. Now, you know what he found out? This, This is interesting to me. People who overuse personal pronouns, I, me, mine, have heart attacks at twice the rate of people who don't. Let me say that one more time, just so that we can just kind of soak it in. People who overuse personal pronouns, I, me, mine, have heart attacks at twice the rate of people who don't. Why? Because the whole world is on there. It's stress to be at the center of the world. It's stress to think that everything is on you. Joseph needed to listen to Mary. Joseph needed to listen to God. Joseph needed to know that what God was doing He had planned for a long time. This wasn't about Joseph. This is about God. This is not about you. It's not about me. It's about God. Let me, let me, let me go on with the, with the rest of this passage because it says, now all of this, this is verse 22. Now all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, they've been planned a long time. 
What's happening in your life isn't a surprise to God. It's a part of his unfolding plan to bring the kingdom of God into the world. And the more we're aware of that, the more helpful we're going to be. It says in verse 23, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave, until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. What is Christmas? Christmas is the event that said, and I love what Pete said, God wrapped himself in embryonic cells. I love that. God wrapped himself in embryonic cells to be born as a vulnerable baby to grow up as one of us. Why? Because he's not just this far removed God. He's a personal God who pays personal attention and has a personal plan for your personal life, who knit each of us together in a personal way, unlike any other person on the earth. And as I said last week, if you're willing to get close to this God, and the question is how close are you willing to get? Because God resides in people. I mean, we know that, right? Because Jesus said, Matthew 25, 40, even as you have done to the least of these, my brother, you've done to me. And so God not only resides in the hearts of people, see, we're different than any other religion. We don't have a holy city. The Jews have Jerusalem. Muslims have Mecca. We have our God residing in the hearts of people. The kingdom of God is within you. That's what Jesus said. It mean, and, and he met y'all, that's a plural you. The kingdom of God is in all y'all. He can speak Southern when he needs to. <laughs> and for some of us, he needs to. That's where the kingdom is because that's where the king is. You want to get close to God? You've got to listen to people in their condition. It says in Romans chapter 12, verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. I can think of no better scripture to apply after an election <laughs> than this. Everybody's kind of coming apart at the seams. Becky and I went to the White House Friday for kind of our last visit, but we wanted to catch up with some folks to see how everybody was doing. And, and uh, you know, we've, we've had a great eight year run with, uh, with lots of friends there. Um, and, and, you know, the, the, the major uh, concern was for what's going to happen with the vulnerable populations. You know, where's, where's the, where's the, you know, the, all of those folks, all of the citizens that are more vulnerable than others, you know, are they going to be okay? And I, and I could just tell every one of them, this is where the church steps up. This isn't according to government policy that they will be taken care of. Policy is important. 
But this is where the church steps up. This is where the people step up. This is what we do. We pay attention to the vulnerable. This says in, in Ephesians chapter four, verse two, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. Don't you think that Joseph wished he would have known this when he discovered Mary was pregnant? You know, humility and gentleness, patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. That would have been a good approach. That's our approach. That's our approach. If we want to locate God in the hearts of people, especially people who are vulnerable, we have to do that in a personal way because that's what God did for us. That's what Christmas is. God coming down as a personal savior to people who can band together to show personal attention to lots of other people. This week, we had just a wonderful event at Northland on Thursday night. You know, when, when I asked you a few weeks ago, how many of you, if, if, if any of you would, would like to, to, to um, help with the homeless in our community? These, these people are just, I mean, no mother with children should ever have to sleep in their car in this community. That's just a moral outrage. And people of morality should see to it that it never happens. And so I said, you know, anybody, it, it's, we gotta do this. And who's gonna do, government can't do this. Corporations can't do this. Who's gonna do this? That'd be you and I. And over 400 of you signed up and said, I, I, yeah. So I, I wanna do something. And so, 200 of you were, were able to come to a, a dinner. We're going to have others. You know, there'll be one in January and February and March, and, and we're getting this circle organized. It'll take us a long time because this is not just about our church. This is about building a network of churches across our region and other faith communities so that not only will these people be resourced and empowered to get back on their feet because the goal is independence, but so that they will have someone to pay personal attention to them. That's what government can't do. That's what corporations can't do. That's what even provider agencies can't do. Even those that specialize in homeless services or services to the poor people, agencies can't do that. That's what we need to do. Why? Because that's what God did to us. He walks alongside us, God with us. If it's God with us, it ought to be us with them, paying attention to them, hearing their story until we see God. This is how we worship. Their story is not about their story. Their story is about God and about how he, we can respond to what he's doing in their lives. This is what it says in Colossians. It says, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. Not on the things, merely on the things that are on the earth. And so we're on our way. All of us, if you want to have a good Christmas, <laughs> listen to people, especially people who are in trouble, so that you can hear the rest of their story. 
it will put your story in perspective. It'll put your problems in perspective. It will also let you love them the way that God loves you. It will also let you see how he's still coming into the world in their lives. And it'll let you call that out so that they can turn to God and not just solve their own problems. That's how we come close to God. The question is, are you willing? Pray with me. Lord, thank you for this story of a man who embarrassingly had the first reaction of, I can't deal with this. I don't want her hurt. I don't want her embarrassed. I'll just quietly separate myself from her until you came into his heart and you said, Joseph, that's me in her story. God, we want you to do the same thing with us. For those around us that we would ignore, those around of us, uh, us that we, we, we can't deal with, because it's too awkward or embarrassing. Lord, help us to listen better. Help us to love better until we can hear their story and spot you. And then help us to worship you as you come into the world through their lives and through our love. Help us to get close to you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.